Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 396. One lesson. One lesson. The KISS principle. Keep it simple, Principle. I love it. Do one thing. Do one thing well. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Increase return visits by 200% with 5 Stars. 5 Stars helps you build a database of your customers' spend and visit behaviors. 5 Stars also helps you stay continually connected by automatically sending personalized offers and rewards. To learn more, head over to get.5stars.com slash unstoppable or use promotional code unstoppable. And when you set up a demo, 5 Stars will send you a $25 gift card to some of their favorite retailers like Target, Starbucks, Home Depot, and more. What are you waiting for? Get on it. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's cabbage with a K. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. All right. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, David Fafara. David, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am feeling unstoppable (laughs) today. That is what we like to hear. So Chicago native David Fafara is a graduate of North Park in West Virginia, where he focused on physical education and counseling. In 1993, Fafara started a small coffee roaster called Shenandoah Joe. Almost 25 years later, this little specialty coffee roaster has expanded to four locations and is a staple in the Charlottesville community. And before we go any further, I got to call out. And say thank you to our boy Brooks Tanner for setting this up. Uh, Brooks had good old Brooksy, dude. He helped me connect with so many people. I'm so grateful for uh, that friendship I have with him. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling, Dave, with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us? So everything about Shenandoah Joe is all about the Joe. So everything. What does that mean? What is what is all about the Joe? Okay, so obviously people in the coffee industry know that Joe is a naval term for coffee. So. Um, Basically, what we do is we just try to do one thing and one thing well, and that's coffee. One thing, one thing well. That is a great lesson that I picked up, uh, just focusing on being the best at one thing. If you can be the best at one thing and start and trying instead of trying to be everything to everybody, uh, I've found that people can go much further. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, when you work for when you have your own business, it's basically you direct how successful you want to be. Or how unsuccessful you want to be based on, you know, your growth, your lack of growth. Um, if you want to be extremely successful, you're going to push yourself and your product to uh, be the best you can. And one of the things that we try to do with Shenandoah Joe is provide our customers with a good product 
and even better service, Beautiful. whether it's wholesale or retail. Awesome. All right. So where did it all start? Because you went to school for physical education. I uh, went back to school for counseling. I did some research and saw that you were a uh, diving coach. Yeah, I uh, coached at UVA for 23 <laughs> years. Yeah. And um, obviously when you're a coach, you put in a lot of hours. So yeah. a lot of hours means... You have to have some kind of little vice to keep you going. Mine just happened to be coffee. <laughs> I figured that is how you fell in love with coffee. I mean, even just from the time where, where I was here with uh, Brooks and we were just talking about all the things you got going on. I mean, you own a pool cleaning business. What else do you? I mean, there's a bunch of things. I know you're involved with a bunch of things. So one of the things that Shenandoah Joe does, and when one of the things that we take our pride in is that my wife and I, Christy, um, we feel blessed that the community has accepted us and our business into their into the community. So one of the things that we love to do is give back to the community because the community has been so yeah. so good to us. And I think that that's a great thing for small businesses because the small businesses make communities go. Mm-hmm. Um, the mom and pop shops, the small businesses, and stuff. Those are the ones that that make the businesses or the community go. And so one of the things that we do is we love to give back to the community. Okay. Um, I'm the president of an organization called um, Toy Lift. And every year at Christmas time, we try to get, we collect toys for all the community kits. Last year, we collected about 15,000 toys in a three-day period, collected them, boxed them, and had them to the schools in a, in a four-day period. Um, 750 bikes. We, we provide bikes for kids who may never have the opportunity to get a bike. Um, so that's one of the things that we strive to do. Um, not only do we do toys for the kids, but we also provide them with books because being an educator, you always believe that kids could, that's another thing that they need to get to is more books yep. outside what they may get in the classroom. So you got the, the you're giving back to the community uh, the the charity work you do the pool cleaning I have a feeling that I mean this is what you got going on now but I have a feeling that you're the kind of person that's always been kind of a hustler always had a bunch of things going on just from my short time spent with you talking to you with Brooks uh-huh. uh, is that kind of is that true have you always yeah. been the kind of person that's juggling a bunch of things Yeah it's just um, it's kind of like in my DNA Yeah <laughs> um, everybody has everybody has something that yeah. And so one of the things, and, and a lot of it has to do with the way people are brought up and raised. I saw, you know, my mom and dad do it um, in Chicago. Yep. So I saw what they did. It's kind of like ingrained into yep. you. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in the barter system. Okay. Um, you know, I'll do something for somebody. And then a year down the road, if I need something, you know, I call in my marker or something yep. like that or a favor and say, hey, I need some help. And. You know, we all, you know, you, when, you're in, when you're in town for 25, 27 years, you get to know, especially a small town like Charlottesville, you get to know a lot of the people in town. So, okay. um, you know, you need help. They help you. They need help. You yep. help them. Yep. And I think that's what's, what's really cool about this community. And I think a lot of it, you know, with restaurants or like with the toy lift, um, not only do we collect toys, but we have a number of volunteers that come out and help us for the weekend, like three to 500 volunteers who help us for, you know, the four to five day weekend. 
So one of the things that we do is since I know a lot of restaurants in town because I provide them with their coffee or just know restaurants in town, um, I'll go to the restaurants and I'll go, you know, I'll go to a play a barbecue place that I know, good friend of mine. I say, hey, can you provide me some barbecue and rolls and coleslaw for you know fifty, sixty people um, f- that are collecting toys for toy lift? And he goes, sure. So that's one. I go to a friend of mine who owns a bagel place. Can I have 150 bagels and some cream cheese for the people who are working in the morning? Obviously, we provide the coffee all day long to keep people going. So that's the sense of the community. That's the sense of those guys giving back to the community in, in a small way mm-hmm. uh, besides the stuff that they do. Awesome. So part of the DNA is, is you know, you, you always try to help out those who yeah. may not be as well off as you. Yeah. You're giving us some great knowledge or just some great values right now. And I love it. And I want to maybe come back to this because I feel like it's, there's definitely some value in what we're discussing, but let's go back to when, uh, you first discovered your passion for coffee. So it was, you're hustling, you're a young guy, you had a lot going on. Uh, when did you really start to explore coffee? Uh, like when, when did that love really start to blossom? So when back in, when we were li- li- when I was living in California and coaching out there, um, Obviously, you had a cup of coffee on pool deck while you're coaching and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the things that we used to we used, to, we used to go surfing in the morning, early in the morning. So you go surfing, and we get done. We'd go get a cup of coffee and like some fruit and something. And uh, there was a place that we used to go to and hang out. And uh, one of those things, like when you when you are you try to think, what are you going to do when you retire, or something like that, or what do you want to do when you get older? Um, one of the things I said was, you know what, it'd be really cool to like say own a coffee shop because then you could just drink coffee, BS with people, and hang out, yeah, yeah. and do stuff like that. And I was like, that would be great. And obviously, if you had, it's like guys who like beer are brewers, people who like bourbon become distillers or whatever. I mean, just and. Um, so one of the things in back of my head is like, you know what, when I retire, I just want to open a coffee shop. Get up, surf, hang out in a coffee shop, drink coffee bullshit all day, yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, so that's where it began. Um, when I moved here to Charlottesville from, from Santa Cruz. Um, what year was it when you made the move back there? Mid-80s. Okay. Um, so I was, I was buying coffee from, you know, places in California. Yeah. Came to Charlottesville, and there really wasn't anything that was to my liking. So I was ordering and having my all my coffee mail ordered then. And then the opportunity um, popped up with Shenandoah Joe. It was in the newspaper. It was in just in, like, in the classifieds coffee company for sale. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so I told my wife, I said, there's a coffee company for sale. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> And she was like, you don't know anything about coffee. I said, I still want to check it out. So I went and talked to the people who owned it. And uh, all it was was a roastery. It wasn't retail. It was just. picked up this big sucker behind us. Yeah. San Franciscan. Uh Uh-huh. San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, this is really cool. So I went back and told Mara, I said, I'm going to buy this coffee company. And she's like, you don't know anything about coffee. I I said. (laughs) Yeah, but she goes, if you do all the due diligence and all the, you know, little stuff, then, you know, we already owned the pool company. So we already basically owned a business. Um, 
So I talked to the people. Um, so this is made him at ninety three. This was this was no this was like the the company started in ninety three. Um, the gentleman who started it thought it was something he'd want to do. Like after a year, year and a half, it wasn't that. So I went to a mom and pop to give her something to do, more or less. Yeah. Um, after a couple of years, they're like, you know, <laughs> this, yeah. yeah. And so that's when they said, you know, it wasn't. So we took it over. So we've been 17, 18 years. I mean, it's been around for a little bit longer than us. Okay. But basically what they were doing is just there wasn't much in a way of people knowing. A few people knew about it, but it wasn't what it is today. Yeah. And, um so I talked to uh, the mom and pop, um, John, Diane, and I said, um, I'd be interested. So we talked a little bit. And, uh, so when this conversation took place? I didn't know anything about coffee. Zero. How much time uh, had... So what, what year was it when this conversation? You moved here in the mid-80s. How much time went by before this opportunity started to blossom? Late late eighties. Late eighties. So you you hung on to this roaster for almost well, five. Well, years no, or... they there was, so they was still in business. Was it late? No, it was late, late nineties. Okay. Because no, well, see, this is two thousand seventeen. <laughs> it's crazy how fast time. It does, time. doesn't it? <laughs> so, I coached at UVA. I started coaching UVA in eighty eight. So I'm gonna probably say it was like ninety eight because okay. I was here for. A little bit before this opportunity even developed. So probably late 90s. So I bet it was started in 93. Okay. And you're talking about you, when you took over. In it was like 99, 2000. So when did you actually acquire the, the roasters? 2000. 2000? Yeah. Okay. So you were roasting coffee on your own? No. So, okay. this, so, so this is what happened. So I came in and uh, basically I bought this company. Without, I mean, like, you know as much about roasting coffee as I did when I bought okay. the that I bought the company, which isn't much because I know nothing about. Okay, roasting so coffee. we were in the same spot. <laughs> um, they had a gentleman roasting for him by the name of Javier. Okay, so I bought this. He was doing a lot of their roasting for him. So when I went to buy the the company, I went to Javier and I said. You know, how much are you making an hour? And he told me, and I said, well, now you're going to be making this. And I gave him like a, like $3 an hour raise. Okay, which is pretty like, substantial. Yeah, back then, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, Regardless, and even now. Uh-huh, so I gave him like a $3 an hour raise. Yep. So basically, and after I said, all I'm asking you for is a 10-month commitment. Mm-hmm. So what's the lesson in that right there? So... The thing was is since I didn't since I didn't know anything about roasting um I had to learn somehow and since he was already on but getting paid and working there yeah. I figured that if I gave him an incentive to stay a little bit longer I basically owned a company and became an apprentice roaster. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I mean one of the big lessons I've learned is you got to give before you get. Um, yeah. You can't expect anybody to stick around and help you and to go out of their way to help make you succeed unless you first help them succeed and help them flourish. And that sounds like that was the approach you took. If I take care of this guy and I show, you know, that 
you know, I'm a generous person, that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a good person to work with, then he'll more than likely stick around if I'm more generous uh, in the beginning than right. later. So awesome stuff. Um, okay, so you didn't know anything. Uh, you said to your wife, if you do the little things, uh, it will work. So what are the little things that you did? Um, since I had a, a kind of a passion for coffee and I wanted to make it work, I obviously you start doing your due diligence, your homework, you start. The one thing that I, I learned over the years is you keep asking questions because if you ask questions, that means you want to learn or you don't know and you need an answer. And sometimes there, in, that, in this instance, I found out where coffee with people who they were the brokers. So I started talking to them, asking them questions, asking them to educate me in a way of that I kept on asking and kept on buying coffee from so I kept the loyalty going um, with them and kept on learning from them went to some trade shows went to some classes kept asking questions Mm -hmm. and after about 10 months of doing a lot of this stuff um, I went to Javier I said I think I'm ready to start roasting I mean, he was teaching me how to roast a little bit, and I was learning and asking questions. And, and this is 98 or yeah, 2000. Yeah. Okay. And so then after about 10 months, I said, I think I'm ready to start you know, being roaster, roasting on my own and stuff like that. And he went, great, because I just got offered a job in New York. <laughs> oh, good time, right? <laughs> and so it was like, so basically what he did is he taught me the basics of roasting. So I want to make sure I have the big picture. So uh, Javier was working for, for the you, company. For the company, you gave him a three dollar raise. So at this time, you you own a cafe, a roaster that's serving customers. Brick and no, wait, that was just strictly all wholesale at the time. Oh, okay, okay, cool. So uh, at this time, you're doing the wholesale, and um, you Javier leaves. You take over the work that he was doing, uh, and you were wholesale and bring it to markets. Uh, grocery stores, market, okay. other coffee shops, convenience okay. stores. I mean. So, so in 2000, they may have had maybe 10 to 12 mm-hmm. wholesale customers. So th- I think there's a, a lesson in here because I think a lot of people, when they want to start something, food and beverage, a brick and mortar, they go straight for the brick and mortar. They try to go for that, what you have today, which is, which is this beautiful, huge location, uh, multiple locations, and they try to they go for that like right away. But I think there's a lot that can happen from starting small. Uh, starting from where you where you can right and scaling up over time and that seems like the approach you took was that intentional um, did you have visions of actually going to a brick and mortar where you were no. serving guests no when, okay. so when we when we first bought the company it was strictly a wholesale company okay um, so we that's all we did for the first like five six seven years whatever okay so, so that's all, all strictly wholesale yeah. so all wholesale okay um, after our first year. I applied and um, we started doing the city market, okay. which is Saturdays, the city Charlottesville. Yeah, where you just came from, right? Yep, city market. <laughs> yep. And so we just did that on Saturdays and, you know, take coffee. The first year that we did it, we, I mean, we took coffee there and, you know, didn't sell. I mean, you sold a lot, but it was like, you know, you just brought coffee from the warehouse to you brewed it at the warehouse and took it to the market and stuff. Okay. Um, so what ended up happening is that that got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. Then we started selling beans there and it got a little bit bigger and started selling more coffee. Um, to the point that like right now, every Saturday, it's another cafe in a way of how much 
coffee you put out. Coffee we put out. Um, Today, for example, we did probably over 40 gallons of hot coffee. Perfect day for it. Yeah, rainy, cool. Yeah. Um, During the summer, an average Saturday, cold brew, we go between 20 and 24 gallons of cold brew on a summer day. That's awesome. You know, so when we did that, um, we did City Market. And then it got to the point that um, the Saturday Sealy people were like, you know, we really need to have your coffee during the week <laughs> because we only can get it on Saturdays yeah. and stuff like that. The, and they kind of like were telling us, you guys really need to open a, a brick and mortar location. Bingo. And my wife and I, neither one of us had any experience with retail. So seven years from just being a coffee roaster, doing the wholesale, uh, the farmer's markets, it took you seven years to get to the point where you had the demand, you built a reputation that could uh, support a brick and mortar. Uh, but you always had that vision. I mean, at this point- It, in was, life, it was in the mind? Yeah. Back in the, back in the mind. So uh, did that vision, did that dream come back to you? Or did you want this when the opportunity came to you? So what ended up happening is with the first shop, one of the couple of the people that come every Saturday to the city market were developers. Mm-hmm. And they just happened to buy a building and they came to me one Saturday at the market and they said, you know what, we have a perfect place for you to put a shop. And it wasn't like you were, it wasn't I was searching, I wasn't looking. And I said, yeah, yeah. And like... We'll give you. We'll come by the shop this week, and we'll bring you over. Mm-hmm. And so, they came one time, and one day they came by. We went over and looked at this spot. So, seventy or however long ago is when we opened up. We decided to do it. People are like, "Why are you putting a coffee shop on that corner?" You know, and it was is that, is that this corner, this corner right here. Okay. And they're like, because it, you know, across the street wasn't one of the greatest neighborhoods, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it just wasn't, it was a cleaner at one time and it was a, you know, it was a warehouse type place. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, so we looked at it and then I started, you know, looking at it. And so we said, yeah, let's do it. And we can move the roastery and everything over here and make it roastery retail all in the same building. So instead of having two spots, we have one spot okay. where you could roast in the back, have the retail up front. So my wife, who basically, you know, runs the ran the company, um, she started de- designing. What company was that? I'm sorry. Her, I mean, I mean, running Shenandoah Joe. Oh, okay, okay. So running this, um, because I was doing pool work, I was doing coaching, yep. and you know, so um, she started. She got one of those online blueprint programs and started designing the shop okay like a floor plan uh-huh like and so basically what she did was designed the original shop okay. just with blueprints and we gave them to the builders said this is what we'd like okay um so we did it um worked with the architects i knew a lot of builders in town so we got friends of mine who helped us out um with countertops and counters and you know we knew people who owned um Secondhand furniture stores or those type of places. We got our furniture, um, and we wanted it to. In the old warehouse, people would come in in the morning, um, 
we'd have coffee brewed in a warehouse. We had it like basically a tip jar. People would come in, throw two bucks in there, get their cup, fill it up, go to the refrigerator, fill up with milk and sugar, and walk and go. So we didn't sell caught. We just kept on a tip jar. And basically what that tip jar kept on doing was paying for the milk, paying for the sugar. We eventually put, <laughs> you know, so basically it was just people would come in, throw money in there, and get their coffee. Talk about bootstrap. Uh-huh. And basically the rule of the day when we were in the warehouse was – if you finish the last AirPod, you go over and pick the next coffee, brew it before you leave so the next person could have coffee when they walk in. Oh, that's cool. So we kind of wanted to keep that type of community type yeah. thing. Um, and so um, the warehouse that you see back behind me was the old warehouse, the way we had to stuff the old warehouse. And all we did was take and put a re- attach a retail shop to that. Okay. And we want and again, it was all so about you, you didn't use all the space in the beginning. The, the, so what you originally saw in the beginning. Yep. The front part where yep. it was everything was all torn out. Yep. That was the original retail shop. Okay. And the wall back was all the wholesale stuff. Okay. Gotcha. We wanted to keep it open so people could see us working like yep. they did at the old warehouse. Yep. And they could smell and hear the sounds of the uh, roaster and the smell of the roaster. Which is exactly why I'm here on site because of that sound, the banging you guys hear in the background. You can't smell the, the coffee, but uh, I can. Yeah. <laughs> it smells, it tastes good too. Um, okay, so I want to dissect some of the stuff we already went over to really pull back some uh, layers and extract some nuggets, okay. uh, some lessons. Uh, just listening to a talk, it sounds like just the power of starting small, starting where you can, uh, making an impact in your community, uh, creating awareness about your product, uh, working with other people in the community, like this, this, this location, somebody came to you, I guess, I mean, what were the, what do you think you did right? Uh, why, why do you think it was successful? If you could just like distill it down to a few big, a few, maybe two or three lessons. One lesson. One lesson. The kiss principle. The keep it simple, stupid principle. I love it. Do one thing. Do one thing well. Awesome. And um, what yeah. about, I, I'm curious about how much initial capital you needed to, to come to the brick and mortar. Like how did you, did you, it sounds like you really bootstrapped this thing. So Okay, again, this goes back to community and knowing people. <laughs> yeah, so powerful. Um, and relationships. I think everything is based on relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to, I went to, when we went to buy this, I had a friend of mine who's the president of a bank here in town. Mm-hmm. Just happened to be one of my pool customers. Okay. So I walked into the bank, and he and I have known each other. And um, I said, I need a loan. And he said, why? And I said, because I'm going to buy a coffee company. And he asked me a, just a couple other questions, nothing like major or anything like that, just asked me. And he goes, okay. So we went down from his office, down into the loan office, and he goes, hey, Linda, this is Dave Fafara. Uh, he needs a loan for yada, yada, yada. Um, cut him a check. He'll come back tomorrow and fill out all the paperwork. Wow. That does not happen today. No. <laughs> so, I mean, I wrote down one big word in like bold print over here, and I think uh, that word is impact. Uh, making an impact in your community, uh, being a part of the community, getting your name out there, and being somebody who serves the community before they look for the community to serve them. And it seems like that's kind of what your situation was. You were known in the community. 
Uh, you were yeah. you had your other business going on. You people knew who you were. Uh, good reputation. And if you take if you take care of people, they'll take care of you. Is that safe to say? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, again, that's all. Re- it's all relationship in the coffee industry. It's well, a lot of the coffee industry itself is relationship based. Me working with farmers, farmers working with their producers, producers working with exporters, importers. It's all relationship based and stuff. A lot of the coffees that we get are all relation. A lot of them are relationship based. Mm-hmm. I know the farmer. I love their product. I say, hey, you know. You're asking three seventy five a pound for something. I want to give you four and a quarter, so you can take some of the extra money and put it into more plants, or guarantee me that as long as the product's great, that I can continue getting it from you and stuff that you won't sell it to somebody else or that type of thing. So if somebody's sitting right here uh, with us and they said, "I want to open my own coffee roaster, my own my own cafe." Uh, well, there's a big difference between coffee roaster and cafe. Well, you started as a coffee roaster. Right. Um, so say they wanted to do that. Um, but at this point, we're talking about the cafe. So let's, let's, let's talk about the cafe. What advice do you have for that person? What would you tell them to do uh, to, to prepare themselves, to, to, to lay the foundation to be able to launch off of something, a, a launch pad or whatever? Before you do anything, do your homework. Okay. Kiss principle. Keep it super, keep okay. it simple. So, uh-huh. Um, so do one thing, do it well. Um, you've talked to plenty of people over the years and stuff like that who have been successful. The ones that are really successful are the ones who don't bite off more than they can chew. Because mm-hmm. when you do that, then you start to scramble. And then when you start to scramble, the the quality may not mm-hmm. be where it should be. You spread thin, yeah. You know, um, Shenandoah Joe's a coffee company. We've had plenty of people come to us and go, why don't you guys do soups? Why don't you guys do salads? Why don't you guys do sandwiches and stuff like that? Like other places that do, that serve coffee. Yeah. And I go, if you look at the door, it says Shenandoah Joe Coffee. Mm-hmm. Now we have pastries and bakeries, uh, baked goods and stuff like that to complement the coffee. But that's all we do. We don't bake them. And this goes back to relationships. We don't, we don't bake any of our baked goods or our pastries. What I do is I get our pastries and all our baked goods from bakeries um, that use our coffee in their bakery. So it's, I'm reciprocating business. Mm-hmm. They buy coffee from me. I'm going to buy baked goods mm-hmm. from them. Beautiful. And that's good business. Buy food from friends. Yep. I love it. We just had uh, Chef Kyle McKnight on the show and that was his tagline line buy food from friends and it's so true I mean just the impact you take care of people in your community they will take care of you and uh, okay so keep it simple stupid let's dive into this uh, just focus on one thing what else were you doing to keep it simple as far as operations like you, you focus it, we already covered you're focusing on coffee uh, you're, you're doing you're keeping the product offering simple but what else were you doing to keep it simple You know, just focusing on a Joe. I mean, yeah, it's all about the Joe. It is. It's. I mean, Literally. we we okay. That's all we did. <laughs> I mean, and, and the other thing too is, I think the one thing that we do really well is educate our customers onto our product or onto the product of coffee um, by, you know, our staff. We cup once a week. With me, um, I provide them with a coffee. We cup it. We write down our notes, mm-hmm. what we get out of it dry, what do we get out of it wet. Mm-hmm. 
what the body is, what the acidity is. I mean, so we do a lot of that stuff. And then the staff, in turn, talks to the customer saying, hey, we just cupped this really good Ethiopian mm. this week. You should try it. If you like fruity coffees, this is what you're going to get out of it. So a lot of it is education, um, talking to the customers, finding out what they like, knowing their names, keeping it simple, just, mm-hmm. you know. Why do you think educating people uh, has such an impact? What, what do you think it is about teaching people things that makes them want to come back? I think it shows that you, you have a genuine care and concern for a your product, what you're serving them, and them in general. I mean, um, there are times that we've seen people go to put cream in their coffee, and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you put cream in your coffee, try your coffee black first. Mm-hmm. That way you get the chance mm-hmm. to taste the coffee, and then if it's still you want to put it in there, then put it in there. But you always want them to try. You know, it's like having bourbon neat. Yeah. As opposed to have bourbonic water yeah. or ice cubes. Yeah, you wouldn't put ice in your wine either. Right. <laughs> so, um, but I think a lot of that stuff that we do, um, providing people with the opportunity to to try different yeah. coffees. Yep. And education, people don't realize it's learning is an experience. Uh, and we're in the, the business of providing experiences. And when people are learning and they're gathering new knowledge, they're growing. Uh, and that sense of growth is one of those Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yep. Uh, you, it's right there above security, uh, belonging. And then above that is growth, personal growth, learning. So you don't realize the impact that has. People are going to tie that product back to that knowledge, wherever they know about that or they, they, they share what they learn. People want to like show off. They want to know things. Uh, it's, it can be very powerful. Um, what else do you think the, the education, how does, how, does, how does that contribute to what you do here? Um, or should we move on? It's up to you. <laughs> like okay so t- if we wanted to go from when we first started with education and stuff like that to where we are today one of the first things because we were all about the joe um our first shop since we were a roaster we had the opportunity to do whatever we wanted to because mm-hmm. we were the ones who provided the coffees to the shop mm-hmm. so one of the first things we wanted to do is have the espresso bar and it's actually a true espresso bar. You had the espresso machine, but we also put three different types of espresso on the bar. Mm-hmm. So you come in as a customer, we could fit the espresso based on the drink that you were ordering. Okay. If you wanted a mocha, we would give you a little bit of a darker espresso. Ah. So you still get the flavor of the espresso through the mocha. Yeah. If you wanted, just yes. like a traditional cappuccino, we wanted to give you an espresso that would blend in with a traditional cappuccino. Mm. So you had the opportunity to pick the espresso based on the drink you're getting. Yeah. So one of the things that we do is that as a customer, you come in and you know you say, I'd like to get a uh, latte. Mm-hmm. Do you have an espresso preference? Uh, no, I don't. Well, let me tell you about the espressos we have. There's the education. Yep. yep. And another thing, too, uh, we talked earlier about keeping it simple, stupid, and it kind of seems counterintuitive because of what you said earlier about keeping it simple, but you, it, one thing I like to think about is uh, going deep, impact, going, uh, really taking one thing and being the best at that one thing, and you really owned coffee. You really, instead of providing a bunch of other offerings, you provided offerings in one niche, one, one uh, I don't know how the, the right words to use. Do you, you kind of pick up what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so I want to talk about growth because you started off very small, 
and simple. Now you're at four locations. Uh, what was that expansion like? What was that growth like? What, what okay. advice do you have for growth? Um, don't bite off more than you can chew. <laughs> okay. So how did you know when it was time to add something new? If you're we didn't. To, okay. So how did that happen? Uh, trust yourself. Okay. Um, know your limitations. It was, was it, there, was a, there was a book. I can't remember what the name of it was. Um, the guy who wrote Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Oh, man. It's not, I'm not familiar with that one. I can look it up. I got this um, there was, he wrote another book, and I don't know if it was in the title or if it was a line in that book, but it was Argue for Your Limitations and stuff or Know Your Limitations. Um, basically, you got to trust yourself on whether or not you think you can do it. And then having the right the right people to work with you or work for you. Is that the name of the book, Jonathan Livingston Siegel? Uh-huh. Oh, that's, that's the title of the book written by Richard Batch. Yep. Okay. So what was the lesson in that book? Um, Just, it was like know your limitations or argue for your limitations or something like that. But if you, if, if you know your limitations, then that's where you decide on whether or not. How do you find your limitations? Trial and error. Okay, so just trying new things, pushing yourself. You know, in. Or trusting yourself. Yeah. So we, so we opened up the retail shop not knowing about anything about retail. Mm-hmm. Hired somebody who had three, four years of cafe experience, made him a manager, interviewed people for jobs and stuff like that, started learning about barista and stuff like that, mm-hmm. hired a couple of people who had barista skills to send them to you know, class to get a little bit more better mm-hmm. So then we did that. So we started off with that. Um, one of the things about education was is that not only did we have the opportunity to put three different espressos on the bar as an espresso, we started doing like pour overs in the time before pour overs were big. Mm-hmm. We were doing French presses. So the thing is that you can get any of the coffees. You had the drip coffee, but then you can get a French press of any coffee that you wanted, or you can get a pour over of any coffee you wanted. So basically what we were doing is education people on. When you go into a coffee shop, a lot of times back 17 years ago, it was just you got drip coffee and that was it. Well, here what we did is we started educating them into getting coffee four different ways. Mm. Espresso, drip, French press, pour over. Um and so that was the beginning of the education process. Being a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of start looking at things like that. So, um, again, keep it simple. It's yep. all about the gel. We just do coffee. So in regard to the expansion, uh, you, you're offering these four product offerings. Uh, you are one location, and it's time to potentially move to another location. When did you go from one location to two locations? How long ago was okay, that? Okay, so I, probably we were in this one for maybe about four or five years okay so we're looking at uh 2005 2006 something like that yeah okay so 2005 2006 did you try to expand to another location before that and fail and maybe like so how did you know in 2005 2006 that so the second the second shop that came up was an existing coffee company here in town okay um the person who owned it um it was just a shop that from what I gathered was just he wasn't making it. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the thing was he invested a ton of money into the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. 
and not enough into people and the product and stuff like that. So there's a lesson here because we went earlier talking about keeping it simple, stupid, uh, and really just focusing on the product and scaling slowly. You think he started too big? Do you think he tried to do too much too soon? I, I think he just again not knowing but not knowing his history and stuff like that so it's hard for me to say what what worked and what didn't work Mm -hmm. and by that time we were already in business for you know about five six years whatever Mm -hmm. so we had already had a pretty good name recognition in town Mm -hmm. for a coffee roaster coffee company reputation is huge um so he basically closed his doors okay just closed them like closed them what was why did you see this as an opportunity um Just thought it was time to maybe try something else. Yeah. And, and we did. Um, so I got wind of it. Called him up. I said, can I meet you? Told me that. I mean, his doors were closed for probably out a week now. So okay. no business, nothing How long closed. was he in business for approximately? Three, four years. Okay. And so basically what we did was I went in there, looked at it. And I said, I'll give you this for the business. And the business was already closed, so he wasn't making any money. That's, that's equipment, chairs, everything. everything. Turnkey. Do you mind disclosing that, that number? Is that too personal? Yeah, I would. Okay, okay. I respect that. I respect that. I, st- I stole it. <laughs> okay. Well, the reason okay. why I wanted to ask is because uh, the, the, I'm, I'm kind of hoping, like anticipating the conversation leading to there's huge potential in being patient and waiting for the right opportunity, not trying to go too big too soon. You can steal things. You can really you, – you moved into this location. Everything was already there for you. You didn't have to put much down. And you already had a reputation. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's smart expansion. That's, that's taking little risk. I mean, uh, these right. are all the things that I yeah. So like, I, okay, so I took mind. basically I took no risk. Yeah. So okay. what's the lesson here? Know your limitations. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. and keep it simple, stupid. Patience, um, I think, is another yeah. lesson. Wait for opportunities um, to come to you. Don't yeah. don't put yourself I, you in know, position. Yeah. I so we went in there, um, kept it closed. Called a friend of mine up who does upholstery. Came in, said. Redo all the upholstery, make it look cool. Um, called another friend of mine up. I said, we need to repaint this to make it look cooler than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got new, some new equipment, some better equipment. Mm-hmm. And then we changed the entire concept of coffee, okay. the entire. Um, so the second bar was a complete pour over bar. Okay. So we put 10 coffees on the wall in tubes. So look, so again, it's all about the Joe. So when you walk in and look at, you look at the wall and there's 10 different coffees in tubes. Okay. And so people could see them and people, again, people had the opportunity to have, to pick what they wanted, mm-hmm. different coffees and stuff like that. At that time, pour overs still weren't big mm-hmm. in the coffee. Now. I love uh, Yeah. Them. So. Sorry. At that time, no, it's great. I mean, at that time, pour overs were not big. And we basically changed the concept. That's when we kind of like started setting us apart from different coffee companies because we were, again, more educating. Mm-hmm. You have diff- 10 different coffees. So when people came in, they asked about the coffee and said, they'd like, they go, oh, it's just like a cup of coffee. And they go, oh, we do it this way. 
and you can pick any of these coffees and here's the coffees and here are the characteristics of the coffees so you can pick it based on what you want. Mm-hmm. The biggest complaint when we first did it was it took too long mm. because people were used to just grabbing and going, getting yep. a cup of Pushing coffee and go. And yeah. go. Yeah. Now it was taking four minutes per cup of coffee and people were, they're like, and we basically said, and they're like, they, they would complain to me because I knew a lot of people and they'd say, hey, Dave, I said, this is taking too long. And I said, get up five minutes earlier. <laughs> So, okay. Um, and I said, you wait, you wait 10, 15 minutes for a burger. That's not very good. Yeah. You can wait five minutes for a cup of coffee. That's pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, yeah. way more. than I think, what's the big lesson there, though? Like, what's the, what do you... What Education. Do you tra- yeah. And I think just the, the I think people for, forget what food is. We, we, we've ruined food sometimes where the general public, uh, when you do food right... And you do food the way it should be done slowly and, uh, you know, paying homage to the people that, you know, you source the beans from and, like, paying respect to the product and doing it the right way. That takes time. Uh, and we've, we've found, humans have gotten really good at cutting corners and making things cheap. Uh, and we've got, that's the new standard. And right. I think it's, it's hard to break and go back to doing things right. So what's your advice for that person who's trying to do something right, the right way? That might take a little bit more time. What's your advice to, to that person who's trying to educate their, their, their guests, I guess? Talk to them. Yep. Just educate them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, again, we, we put 10 coffees on the wall. People just wanted a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. We're like, here's your opportunity to learn more about, yeah. again, back to relationships. So our relationships with our customers, to the point that they start trusting us into us recommending or them trying different coffees. Mm-hmm. We had people come back and say, you know what? I never had a cup of coffee that tasted like that before. Yep. It's worth and it. the reason why? It's because you never had a coffee brewed that way. Yep. So wait. Uh huh. <laughs> and it's funny. I'm talking to somebody right now. A good friend of mine, Joe Fontana. He's been in mastermind groups. He's been listening to the show since the very beginning. And he finally opened his first restaurant. And he did fried chicken called Fry the Coop out of Chicago. And we were just on the phone last night. He's like, Eric, I'm having this, this trouble. Like, our, we we do just sandwiches, fried chicken sandwiches. And they have like you can order chicken on the side. Like you can do like a like like a thigh and leg, uh, like plate. And the way they do it, they they braise it. And then they fry it once, and then they bread it, and they fry it again. So they cook this. They, this stuff is cooked, uh, slow cooked, super ju- juicy, amazing. Uh, and they just opened last week, and they're having a problem where people are saying that there's that the there's the chicken's raw. There's no way this stuff can be raw. They cook it three times, right? But what's happening, I guess, is the the bone marrow is like leaking into the meat, and it's making it like bloody, like the blood, uh-huh. and it looks like it's raw. And he's, he's freaking out because it's a new restaurant. People are complaining about raw chicken where he, it, there's no way that this stuff is raw. And um, I guess the lesson to him, if you wanted to keep this on the menu, is just make that into an educational right. opportunity. Uh-huh. Beautiful. And, do they, and the thing is, is do they, for him, do, does he say, you know, here's the way we do it. Mm-hmm. The first step is this. Second step is this. Third step is this. Fourth step is this. Combine all four steps together. This is what you get. Mm-hmm. Then that way, again, it's you're letting them know that. Look, it gets cooked. I promise you, like this is in an oven for an right. hour at exactly. three hundred degrees. Like there, and it's fried twice. There's no physical way that this this is not right. All and through. because of the way we cook it, some of the things that happen are this. Mm-hmm. You know, which is actually a sign of quality, not. 
a bad thing. We just, right. It's a matter. We, we've gotten so far away from what food looks like done right that people can't recognize when it's right. done right. Um, cool. Uh, I can't believe we're already at 51 minutes of recording time. Seriously? Yeah. If you, <laughs> if you go over by 10 or 15 minutes, is that going to put you in trouble? No, okay, we're cool. fine. Uh, I want but could, I just want to get back to yeah yeah. What, but okay, so you talked about the second shop. Yep. Okay, and then what? When opportunity presents itself as a small businessman, um, so he took a chance, educate people, and within the first two months of us being reopened mm-hmm. under Shenandoah Joe, and then changing the concept and changing the education, we were tripling what he was making in a day within two months. Oh wow. Just because of our name, the way we educated it, and our product, and the way we presented it. Yeah, and just that un, like, unwavering desire to, to not break from what you know is right, I feel like. His principle. Yep. Because all we, again, all we did was coffee. Mm. We just did it a different way yeah. and educated, but still we did coffee. Yeah. So the third store, we won't talk about the Harrisonburg store. Um, the third store um, near university, yep. um, I saw an ad in Craigslist for equipment for sale. As a coffee person, you're always looking for equipment because you never know when you're going to need something if something breaks down. Yep. So I went to this coffee shop and um, looked at the equipment and stuff and asked the girl for the lady who owned it how much she was asking for, and she didn't really know how much she was wanting. She was just like waiting for somebody to make offers. And she was like the third person who owned this coffee shop on a university, basically right off the university campus, where 2,000 students walked past it Mm -hmm. every single day. And there were days that she would open at 7. There were days she would open at 10. There were days she would close at 3. There were days that she would close at Mm 5. There's no consistency, no, you know, no training or anything like that. So I started looking at the equipment stuff and I asked her how much she wanted. And she goes, well, I don't really know. And so I looked at her and I went, how about if I just buy the company for you? I'll give you this for today. And she went, okay. <laughs> and that was the extent of the negotiations. Um, went back, had our lawyer cut up write up just a really quick bill of sale for mm-hmm. this amount of money as is equipment. Gave wow. her the check, gave her the contract. We both signed it. Within 48 hours, I owned another coffee company. Wow. Basically, we closed it for two or three days, or a couple of weeks, I should say. Painted it, cleaned it, new equipment, changed the concept a little bit, changed some of the seating, talked to the guy who owned up, the landlord and stuff like that. I said, you know what? I don't like this lease. I said, let's rip it up. Let me give you a he he already knew my reputation in town. I said, I'll give you a five-year lease right now. I said, the first two years like this, the second two years like this, the third years like that. And he went, okay. And I was paying like $300 a month less than what she was paying wow. for. By just, again, talking to, yeah. and um, basically it was, we opened up and it's doing great. And how long ago was that? It was like two, three years ago. So like every basically like every three to four years is when like is the kind of like the it's Yeah, but again, I wasn't looking to buy another or put another shop in. So how Not, neither two of them, the second and third store? Yeah. 
and a Ford store that we have about an hour from here in, in Harrisonburg, I wasn't looking to do a shop. Any of these examples, did, did they come to you or was it just you keeping your ear to the ground looking for opportunity? Uh, the one in Harrisonburg, they came to me. Why do you think they came to you? Because they were in Charlottesville and they saw three shops that were killer and yep. Harrisonburg didn't have a coffee shop Keep other than... Simple, stupid. Yeah. Harrisonburg <laughs> only had Starbucks on by their university and they saw what we were doing and our concept and our philosophy and... And basically, they said, we have a spot that we're developing right now. It's between downtown and yeah. university. Would you? And so he said, sure. Yeah. Don't, I, this is something I think that uh, is a great lesson. In, 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 that's don't look to go out. Don't look to expand. Look inward. Look to see what you can do in, in-house every day to be better and better and better and to be the best at whatever it is you do. For you, that was coffee. If you're the best at what it is you do, opportunities will come to you. Growth will be natural, and uh, you'll have leverage. You'll have bargaining power where you can get these deals that you got and keep right. your, your expenses low. But you need to be the best to do that because people, everybody wants to partner with the best. Right. Focus on being the best. Don't focus on being the biggest. And, and, the other the thing, and the other thing, too, is that I've had a number of people who have come to me and said, why don't you franchise? Why don't you franchise? Okay. Um. Why should I charge somebody to pay me for my name, which is a regional name, Shenandoah Joe, yeah. which is a Charlottesville, Shenandoah Valley name? Mm-hmm. Why should I charge people for my name when people can go out and open up their place, hire me as their coffee roaster, hire me as their consultant and train their staff, and then they start making money for themselves instead of paying me mm-hmm. every year just to have my name on it? Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like we don't have enough time to dive into this topic. That's, but that's my philosophy uh, yeah. on... Well, I, I agree with it, and that's why I only interview independent restaurant operators. Uh-huh. And <laughs> so. that's... And, you know, I, I, you know it's, it's, it's better to work for yourself than to work... Make money for yourself than to make yeah. money for somebody else. I mean, that's a, a topic for another day. I, I, <laughs> I could pull back layers on that for hours. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, we're at 57 minutes right now. We still have the speed round. Okay. Um, so why don't we take a break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Have you heard of the 80-20 rule? Well, if you haven't, it states that for many events, roughly 80% of effects come from 20% of the causes. How does this apply to the restaurant industry? Roughly 80% of your total revenue comes from 20% of your customers. That 20%, well, those are your loyal customers. Five Stars helps you get more loyal customers and helps you strengthen the bond between existing loyal customers. This method is so effective that Five Stars users have reported up to 200% increase in revenue. Set up a demo today and learn about their two newest features. Word of mouth, which allows your guests to share the rewards they earn at your restaurant with their friends. And network matching, where basically, if you get 100 customers to sign up, 5 Stars will send you 100 new customers that have never been to your restaurant. To learn more, head over to get.5stars.com slash unstoppable. Or use promotional code unstoppable. And when you see a demo, 5 Stars will send you a $25 gift gift card to some of their favorite retailers like Target, Starbucks, Home Depot, and more. Get on it. To be unstoppable, most restaurant owners require extra capital from time to time. When you need funding to renovate, buy equipment, or manage cash flow, you don't have time to track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. That's where Cabbage can help. 
Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and you'll get a decision right away. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You never have to reapply to take out additional loans and you only pay for the funds you use. Cabbage has helped more than 100,000 businesses from every industry with over $3 billion in funding. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company twice in a row. Check out Cabbage with a K dot com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash unstoppable line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. All right. We're back. And the first question I have for you, Dave, is what is your it factor? Not the restaurant's it factor. Your it factor, your a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success. On and off. What's that mean? When I get up, I'm on. It's 300 miles an hour. When I'm off, I'm done for the day. Go to bed. And there's no moss under my feet. How much rest do you get in a day? Less than most people. <laughs> and the thing is, like, uh, I've been. This is the second time I've been in your presence face to face. And you have such an energy about you. You're like wide awake. Uh, four or five hours of sleep? Yeah. That's, that's an it factor right there. Yeah. So to get the shop. So you saw the shop. Yeah. When it was still under construction. So last week to, to finalize it, it was four 19-hour days, a 17-hour day, and a 15-hour day. Just to get the place up and running and ready for Do you use an opening. alarm or do you just sleep My four head. hours and bounce back bounce I, I go to I say I, I, would, I need to get up in four hours I get up I would not recommend trying to do that uh, internal that is, alarm clock that is I, I don't use an alarm clock either but I get I sleep seven or eight hours I don't know how you do it man uh, do not do this. <laughs> this either you can or you can't I would not recommend trying to get okay I'm gonna probably <laughs> say that all the people you talk to yeah there are a lot of them like me that are yeah. like restaurant people yeah business owners would yeah. you agree yeah yeah absolutely like 100 percent they all do it? Oh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> it's, it's that internal DNA. Maybe I'll stick to being a podcast. <laughs> uh, what is uh, your biggest weakness? Stubbornness. Okay. Uh, how does that hurt you? Uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Don't reinvent the wheel. Sometimes people will come and say, what about this? And you flat out just say, nope. And has has there been a time where somebody's recommended something and you should have maybe taken that opportunity or? Nope. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's one question or thing you look for during the interview process and when you're trying to expand your team? Uh, do you mind working? And what are you looking for for an answer? No. <laughs> and then the second question after you do mind working is working means that always moving and not taking time down. And Unless it's lunch or a break. <laughs> and how do they say how do they feel about that? Then they realize what you mean as a what work is. Right. It's like what the difference is between listening and hearing. Yeah. Speaking and talking. Okay. Yeah. There's you know, to me working is the old adage if it's time to lean, there's time to clean. Getting things done. Exactly. Yep. Always looking. Got you. Uh, what's a current challenge today? 
getting people to work. Okay. And how are you dealing with that challenge? Just like everybody else, you just keep scrambling, trying to find people. Yep. And once you find good people, you try to hold on to them. How do you hold on to them? Incentives. Like what, like, give me an example. Uh, maybe take, sending them to trade shows. Um, bonuses at the end of the year. Um, lunch here, lunch there, dinner here, pizza one night for the staff who's closing. Mm-hmm. You know, the other night, guys were cooking pizza down the street. I went down there, grabbed the pizza, brought it back. I did just clear blue sky, walked in with a pizza for the closing staff. Nice. I had like two pieces. They had the rest of it. Nice. It's a little thing. Yeah. The little things. Awesome. Uh, share one code of conduct or a behavior you teach your team. A way to be a value. That you treat everybody the way that you would like to be treated as a customer. You walk in, good morning, good afternoon, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, respect. How do you, re- how do you reinforce that? How do you make sure that happens every day? I threaten them. <laughs> All right. With yeah. your job? Just, no, with <laughs> having to deal with me. Okay. Um, like if, and I tell them right off the bat, two things that I don't want to do when, when people start, you don't be late and you don't run out of coffee. Because the first voice in the morning that you don't want to hear is my voice calling you up and saying your shift began 15 minutes ago. Mm. Awesome. And what is uh, one uncommon standard of service? So this is something like, this is a little confusing. So the example I use, uh, if you're approaching a table right at a full service restaurant and you mm-hmm. have uh, something in your hand that doesn't belong to that table, you hold it behind your back. So exactly. Like, what's, what's one thing that isn't common knowledge that improve service that you teach your, your team that before you do anything if there's people in a way you, you it's education you say um i'm going to you know the trash is full i'm going to take the trash out just to let you know that i'll be walking by with a bag of trash okay you so know you, you know this to, the, the, to the customers you, the staff will say it to the customers okay. to let them know that they're going to be walk because if you're eating a dinner, you don't want mm-hmm. somebody walking by with a bus tub mm-hmm. full of stuff because mm-hmm. it, you know, you know, absolutely. Keep your areas clean all the time. So what's that do when you when you communicate this to the to the the guests? What's that doing? It's, it's just letting them know that you're going to be walking by. Care. Yeah, like it that does you're, that you're not just doing it and like it has to get done. You know, there's regulations. Uh-huh. You have to take out the trash. And uh, you're going to walk past them and they're sitting in a couch yeah. and you're like you don't want to take a big old nasty trash bag past them without being considerate sometimes you have to yeah and yeah so just consideration beautiful um okay share one online resource or tool that your team or yourself uses um baristas go to any like a barista guild site you know what's your favorite um i like to go to um Roasters Guild a lot for me as a roaster to see what other people are doing. Other new coffees are coming in. Um, because, I mean, it's really funny because I'm busy. I leave that. I get in the hit shop at four. Sometimes I don't get home to eight. Mm-hmm. So I don't know a lot of what really is going on in the world or the community mm-hmm. other than, you know, talking to people and stuff yeah. like that. Um, even though I'm involved in community or sometimes you miss stuff. Um, I... You know, like sometimes when I roast, I'll pull up my iPad and just look at the news and stuff like that because obviously 
news is ever changing. Industry the way, news. Yeah, industry news, even the news news, community news yep. and stuff like that. You know what's going on in the community? Obviously with the stuff that's been happening in Charleston the last yeah. You know, six or seven months, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So sometimes I always put my iPad while I'm doing a quick roast, look to see if I missed anything. Um, so, but industry wise, obviously, Roasters Guild for roasting. Is it, Barista is that the Guild. Name? Is it called yeah, it's Roasters, Roasters Guild. Guild. Yeah. Roasters uh, Something I can link to in the show notes. Yeah, RoastersGuild.com or RoastersGuild.org. Okay, um, I'll, I'll find it. Yeah, it's easy. Okay. Um, SCAA for coffee, Special Coffee Association of America. Huge. A lot of education, a lot of stuff that's going on in the coffee industry. Is it S-C-A-A? S-C-A-A. Uh-huh. Special Coffee Association of America. Beautiful. This is episode 396. I'll have those links in the show notes. And uh, what is one book that's a must-read to become a better person or food and beverage (laughs) operator? Uh, Small Businesses for Dummies. Is that one of the? I, that's <laughs> one of those dummy books, you know. Um, Are you making up a book right now? No, <laughs> it's, it's, I think there's really one that's out there. My wife read it and stuff like that. You know, I, honestly, the best book yeah. is Street Smarts. You know, talking to people, understanding people. I mean, it's not even a book; it's just dealing with people, talking yeah. to them, understanding them, getting experience, social getting, intelligence. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you know what this. I would rather have somebody who would bust hump mm-hmm. and who's like a dog who's loyal, who bust hump, will do anything, unconditional love type thing, yeah. than somebody who's got six degrees from yep. an Ivy League school. I'm going to recommend two books on that, that topic of street smarts. Uh, one is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Great Dan book. Carmen, which is just a- Great book. It's been around forever and it, it, it's so simple. Uh, and another one is uh, Social Intelligence by Daniel Goleman, which is just about how to deal with people in social settings, uh, yeah. how to read people and stuff like that. Um, okay, what's one piece of technology you've adopted in your business that gets you really excited <laughs> that you want to share? We're almost at the end. <laughs> one piece of technology that, again, I'm a KISS principal person, so I'm not a, a tech-savvy person. Um, <laughs> you know what you'd have to ask my retail people f- to that question because <laughs> I have a roaster and again I this goes back to the kiss principle yep I do one thing well I roast coffee and I buy coffee yep that's what I do I trust everybody yep. else to do and you're using square I think is what I saw yeah we do what I use which is probably the most simple POS platform out there. It's it's pretty basic, which is a good thing if you want to keep it simple. Uh-huh. If, you're, if you're doing one thing near a counter service, Square is a great platform to be on. Uh, so I'll link to that. In yeah. Too. And uh, if you got the news, this is one. This is like the the big finale question right here. Just so you know, if you got the news that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow, and all the memories of you, your work, and your restaurant would be lost, or your cafe, your roaster would be lost uh, with your departure. Uh, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind, what were those three pieces of wisdom, things that you know to be true, be that that you could leave behind to make this world a better place? Well, if you're leaving tomorrow and you didn't know it, <laughs> um, obviously it's obviously um, is live each day till its fullest. That's one. That's one. Second one is treat everybody that you would like to be treated yourself. 
the third thing would be don't take anything for granted. How do you live without taking anything for granted? How do you live without taking anything for granted? It's hard sometimes. You know what? This goes back to what I said earlier about being blessed with the community. I don't, what the community gives, I don't take that for granted. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that every day. That, you know, people, I don't know how, because you've talked to a ton of people. I don't look at our success in a way of numbers, like monetary numbers, mm-hmm. like, oh, we did $2.8 million last year, and the year before that, we did $2.4 million. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I look at our success at, at Shenandoah Joe, the way I look at, and this is a square thing that you were talking about, mm-hmm. I look at our success as how many return customers you have every single day. Mm as opposed to non-return customers or new customers and stuff like that. The human element. Um, For us, we average anywhere between 72 and 76% return customers at all four of our stores every day. Wow. That's crazy. And I think the, the, I mean, our goal, I mean, that's like the Pareto's principle, the 80-20 rule. 80% of your yield, 80% of the money you make comes from 20% of the people you serve. Uh, your most loyal customers, right? Mm-hmm. And when you can create uh, a, a loyal customer base of what you said, 70%? What was it's, that? it's between 72 and 76 wow. every day. I mean, that. Seven days a week. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's impressive. Wow. I, yeah, that, I would say that's uh, a good way to, to measure success for sure. <laughs> you know, because the thing is, is that here's the thing you could have if you're uh, for us. If somebody comes in and say you did eighteen hundred dollars today, and tomorrow you did twenty one hundred dollars, that's a big jump. You had less customers. What happens is you sold two grinders at four hundred fifty dollars a piece. Yeah, which is great, but which is great <laughs> monetary wise. Yeah, but but yeah. it wasn't the return customer. Gotcha. All does right. that make sense? It does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's okay? This is. Is there anything that I could have asked you, or what's one question I could have asked you that you think would have provided more value, or something you were hoping we would discuss that we didn't get to discuss? No, I, I think that in the industry for small businesses, if you have a passion for, you know, you're going to have good times, you're going to have bad times. Mm-hmm. You can have roller. It's like a roller coaster, right? Some days are going to be great. Some days, yep. you know, um, be flexible. Mm-hmm. Don't be stiff. Okay. And always know your limitations, and always look outside the box. Sometimes, because if if you have tunnel vision, there's stuff that might be just right outside the tunnel that yep. you don't see, but they may be right outside yep. the tunnel. Yep. But because you have that type of vision, you may miss an opportunity that. Be open-minded. Ask how. Don't mm-hmm. just say it's not possible. Ask how. How can I make it possible? That yeah. Kind of thing. I mean, a perfect example. You saw a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> the front of the shop. Yep. When you and I walked through with Brooksy behind a behind the plastic, and you saw what it looked oh, like. Yeah. Totally different compared to what we did. Oh, it's gorgeous. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. 
Great stuff. Uh, this has been an awesome episode. We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who is one independent restaurant operator, uh, maybe a coffee roaster or a cafe, somebody you know and respect in this industry who you believe would make a great guest mentor on the show like you've made for us today? A coffee roaster or could it be somebody Any, else? Anybody that, in the food and beverage industry that... Could it be like an importer, exporter? Or does it have to be... Uh, I try to stay focused. I try to keep it simple. Stupid. Okay. Okay. <laughs> simple. Keep it simple. Stupid. Chef Craig Hartman. Okay. Okay. And I don't have to say anything else. Craig Hartman was a great guest on the show. <laughs> he was awesome. I'll let these, I'll, I'll let you get by without offering another one, but yeah, he was amazing. I had him. On the well, show okay. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm get, this is a good thing that I'm, I'm getting to the point where there's repeat call outs. Uh, it means I'm, I'm getting the right people on the show. And, and uh, you know what? Um, he earns repeat callouts. Yeah, he because of his reputation, he he's the type of guy who earned and deserves mm. multiple callouts. Yeah, from multiple people in the. I mean, I'm a coffee roaster, and he's a he's a chef. Yeah, and I'm calling him out. Yeah. I mean, it has nothing to do with the coffee industry. He just has this am, am, amazing ability to surround himself with, or just to. Yeah, surround himself with amazing other amazing people. At one point, where I was talking to this or about this with Brooks Tanner, he had five executive chefs working underneath him. At one point, uh-huh. uh huh. And those those five, well, they weren't executive chefs at the moment, but they went on to all become become executive chefs. Yeah, that's a testament to greatness, right there. If you can, if you can surround yourself with that kind of people and then give them the skills, the knowledge, the leadership to do it on their own. Okay, outside and this, I don't. I mean, I don't even know this person, yeah. but you're using that example. Yeah. Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh. All right. We'll, we'll okay. take it. Okay. Because look at all the phenomenal head coaches he's produced in the football, yep. in the NFL. Yep. All the ones that were assistant coaches under his staff. Yep. On his staff when they were winning all those championships. Yep. And who became Super Bowl champs themselves. Yeah. Because they learned from him. Uh, you could even look at um, the Patriots right now. All Bill people, Belichick. Bill, yeah. Like, it's... They're gonna, I don't know. They're gonna fall off their pedestals too, because everybody in the the league has worked under and been under Bill Belichick and learned from him. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, I but mean, in Charlottesville, in Charlottesville, in Charlottesville, yeah. Craig Hartman. But um, in the in the coffee industry, you always try to pick other people's brains yeah. to see what they're doing differently and stuff. And I've had people who've called me and asked me questions too because of stuff that I've done. Yep. So stuff like that, yep. you know, you. It goes back to education, learning from other people and seeing what they're doing, and then just taking little pieces here and there. The great thing about the industry is you take a bunch of little pieces, you put them together, you create a puzzle, yep. you got a picture. Yep. yep. Which is, um, kind of brings me to my next question, which is if somebody wants to connect with you after listening to this, what's the best way to connect with you? If they want to come join your team, or maybe they have a question, or if they want to... Follow you on Instagram. David com. All right. I'll have that in the show notes. Um, and then, you know, we're always looking for people who have a passion to coffee to join, yep. our, to yep. join our staff. I mean, yep. if people feel like they can move or whatever. I mean, we always look for people who want to. But again, this goes back to what we talked about, yep. loyalty, the dog and stuff like that. Yep. You know, people are going to come. And you, I don't mind training people. But then people, again, Chef Craig. 
trained all these people, but all those people stayed with him for an extended period of time. And then when it was time for them, for Chef to say, it's time for you to go on his own, he kind of like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. It's funny. I I like to say that uh, when you're doing it right, you're pushing people out of your restaurant. Right. Uh, When they've been with you for so long and you know they're going on, like it's like you're almost your responsibility as the owner to be like, you, you know, like... You need to get out of here so I can train somebody else. Yeah, or be the person that provides them the opportunity. Invest in them. Yep. Give them their own location or whatever. Make them a partner. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I mean, for people to come here, I... Yep. Yeah. Beautiful. This has been a great conversation, Dave. Thank you Thanks. so much for taking This is time. fun. Isn't it? It goes by fast. People, I mean, I say, oh, it's going to be an hour, and they go, whoa. <laughs> but really, an hour, 20 minutes now, it goes by real fast. And uh, man, there is no questioning, my friend. You are unstoppable. <laughs> Thank you very much. This is fun. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you, Dave Fafara. Some great lessons today. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, do one thing really well. Start where you can. Scale up. Scale up slowly. Uh, I love the how they how Dave found all these great opportunities because people were looking to get, to get out of the industry. People tried to open up shop in his community. They couldn't make it. Uh, they, they wanted out and Dave approached them and said, what, what would it take to, uh, to acquire this space? And he literally, he, he told me the, the number after the recordings and I won't divulge that here because he, he would have told us all if he wanted to, but he stole it. That's all I'll say. And you can do it smart. If you, if you, you can you know expand smart, grow smartly if you just take your time, you're patient, you look for good opportunities, and uh, focus on just doing that one thing really well. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, what's the one thing you can be best at in your community? If you can't be number one, it's not worth doing. So uh, we didn't say that exactly, but that is a lesson we picked up on the show, and I feel like a lot of that tied into today's conversation and uh, doing good is good business is another thing I kind of wanted to, to focus on in this, these closing thoughts. Uh, we didn't really talk too much about it today, but Dave is a huge part of his community. Uh, he's always uh, donating and uh, just pulling other businesses together to uh, take care of their community. And when you take care of the community, people will take care of you. Opportunities will come to you. Uh, and that's just something that seemed to happen over and over today in uh, today's conversation is people came to Dave. People knew that Dave would be the guy uh, to go to because of the reputation that he, he created and opportunities came to him. And I love the, the conversation we had around education. Uh, people want to uh, people want to learn. They want to know new things. And when they can tie uh, a piece of education, uh, new knowledge to an experience, and that experience is tied to your restaurant, they won't forget you. They'll come back to learn more. They're going to feel like they're growing. They're going to feel like they're they're fancy. You're going to make them feel like they're, they they uh, they know things that most people don't know. And that makes, people, that, that makes people feel good about themselves. So, yeah, great stuff here today. Awesome conversation with Dave Fafara. Uh, and like always, guys, please do reach out to me, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me who you want to learn from. Who's killing it in your community uh, let's get them on the show. Let's learn from them together. And uh, you can email me, Eric, at Restaurant Unstoppable, or you can Facebook me, slash Restaurant Unstoppable, Instagram, Twitter, Eric Cacciatore. Uh, and let's see, what else? Uh, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. I am accepting donations. If you guys are finding value in these conversations, if you are learning, if you are growing, if you are uh, 
staying inspired, please help support this podcast by heading over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash support. Every little bit helps. But if you really want to help, if you really want to show your appreciation for the work I'm doing, uh, providing this resource, please share this podcast. Find somebody you know who's aspiring to be great in the food and beverage hospitality industry. Let them know about this resource, and uh, that will be the best way to support the show. And uh, I think that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.